Women Taking the Lead, episode 241. Sometimes we need to hear from somebody else who we look up to that they struggle before we can realize it's okay to struggle. People do it all the time. Stop beating myself up over it and flip that switch and say, just do it. You know, stop pitying yourself and just do it. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Have you grabbed your copy of my best-selling book, Accomplished, How to Go from Dreaming to Doing? Head over to womentakingthelead.com forward slash accomplished to access the secrets to achievement and success. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. The holidays are coming and there's a lot to get done. You're probably creating lists so you don't miss anything and you're also deciding what's not going to make the list until after the holidays. There's only so much time and cuts need to be made. However, if your bras need replacing, don't put that off until the new year. Your undergarments can impact how you look and feel in your holiday clothes and you want to feel comfortable and confident. That's where Third Love can come in to save the day and save you some time. They're obsessed with finding the perfect size bra for you. Their online fit finder quiz takes just a few minutes and will let you know which bra is perfect for you. And best of all, you can try one of Third Love's amazingly comfortable bras free for 30 days. You just pay $2.99 for shipping. Head over to thirdlove.com forward slash WTL to find your perfect fitting bra and try it for free for 30 days. That's thirdlove.com forward slash WTL to try your new favorite bra for free. Thirdlove.com forward slash WTL. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here actually live with Anne LaRue. Um... Long story, but we are we are sitting together on a couch recording this. So if you hear some traffic in the background or any ambient noise, like this, this is the real deal. So let me tell you about Anne. Anne is a Spartan SGX coach and registered dietitian nutritionist. She works with clients on and off the race course to perform at their best and nourish the body. Anne believes that the lessons learned in obstacle racing can be applied to everyday life to overcome physical mental, and emotional challenges. And through fitness and nutrition, Anne believes our true beast is hiding inside, waiting to be unleashed. She has been featured in Maine Women's Magazine, fitmaine.com, and has been recognized as today's Dietitian Magazine's Dietitian of the Week. She was a 2016 Spartan Elite Point Series leader and the 2017 Killington Beast winner. Anne coaches obstacle course racing athletes dedicated to fueling for performance as well as taking care of the one body that we get. She believes that overcoming challenges in life starts by placing focus on a strong body and mind. And I'm so honored that you're taking the time to come on the podcast. And also, additionally, what's not in her bio is Anne is the Spartan SGX trainer that I worked with prior to doing my first Spartan way back in June. I met her and I've talked about this activity on the podcast before through networking. It was through the owner of fitmain.com, Shannon Bryan. I saw Shannon. Shannon speak locally in Portland, had a chat with her, mentioned I was going to be running a Spartan race. And she said, oh, you need to meet Anne. And you have been such a blessing in my life. The race was incredibly hard. And, you know, I 
could go on and on about my whole experience. It was wonderful. But working with you really gave me the confidence to just go for it and enjoy it while I was doing it. So, and if you could tell us a little bit more about you and your own humble beginnings. Sure. Well, thank you for having me. And the world of obstacle racing and Spartan strikes again, as far as helping people to connect, um, have a blast, but at the same time, overcome obstacles in their life. And I think in a way, um, you know, I am currently working for Spartan. And one of the reasons that I'm really enjoying that is because I feel almost like I have stock in the company because it's done so much for me um, that I'm happy to be able to share that because everybody does have that same experience of fun yet challenging. And when I think about the question that you had about the humble beginnings and taking a few minutes to really look back and reflect on that, it really does come back once again to obstacle course racing. As as crazy as it sounds, I feel my answer always goes back to that. But really, when there are so many places that I went to when I was thinking about that humble beginnings question, and when I thought about it, it was... When I think about the word beginning, that is, when did I start? When did I start becoming who I am today? And I could think of many times I was, I went in the Navy just after high school, and that was life changing boot camp, being living in another country for that. But at the same time, it still always came back to that my life didn't begin until I completed my first obstacle race through, through Spartan. Um, so that was back in, I'd say it was it was 2013 when my friend asked me, do you want to do this obstacle course race that's going to happen at Fenway? And not knowing what the heck I was getting involved with, I had done a, a small um, local one. I said, sure, you know, I don't care about baseball, but Fenway Park, that's pretty cool. And so we went and we were getting into the starting corral and there was about a, a six foot wall to jump over just to get into the starting corral. And I just looked at her, she looked at me, and we needed help to get over that just to, just to start. And we thought, what on earth did we get ourselves into? And probably an hour later, uh, we crossed the finish line, and we loved it. So the first thing I did is come home to on my computer and look up, when's the next one? Not knowing there was a world of obstacle, of distances, right? This was 2013. It wasn't very popular. Went online, looked at it. Okay, there was a race at the end of the next year, and it was in Vermont. So that was a long enough time away that I could train. And it was close enough. It was, you know, a three hour drive. So that's close enough. I'm from northern New Hampshire. So at this point in my life, where I live now, anything is close enough compared to that. And so my next experience, my next race was the Vermont Killington Beast. So Fenway, just as a little brief piece, is what just under three miles of a race in a stadium. So there's limited running and obstacles they can put there. The Killington Beast was over 14 miles up and down a mountain with 30-something obstacles. By the time, so that's why I say in my humble beginnings, when I finished that race, I was quite humbled because I went into that feeling really good and I came out of it emotional and in tears by the time I crossed the finish line. And my mother was there asking me how I was doing and my husband is unwrapping my banana because I can't even do that for myself. And I was, in a way, I was broken, but in a way, I was finally fixed. I was, al- I was alive. I knew I was broken from the race, but I knew where I had to go, and I wanted to go there. I wasn't deterred. I was ignited. And to me, it spoke to me on so many levels of taking you to a deep, dark place where you didn't think you would make it through, feeling completely and emotionally wrecked by the end, but somehow being excited to do it again. I never felt all of those in one day. 
And that is where I found my true self. Somehow in that, the true me came out and I never looked back. And everything else from that moment forward seems like it was boring. And my life has just, you know, it's been one obstacle after another after that. But now that I know I can get beyond them, I haven't wanted to stop. So life began at Killington. And you know what's really awesome is you have, someone took video of you in that moment. And I think you have it on your Facebook page. And I've watched that video. And even though it's not explained, like now I have the background story. But even without the background story, I'm like, something really significant is going on for her in this moment. And it wasn't just because it was the end of a race. Like I could tell, like you like you were processing a lot of information. Like people were talking to you and you were somewhat responding, but like very much like taking that moment in. And it was very powerful. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I love that. And one thing I know about you is now you've taken those experiences and now you're helping other people to do the same. I'm one of them, case in point. And I, I agree. I, um, a, about a year ago, my sister talked to me about doing the Spartan race in Everybody June. Into it. Yeah. Talked, somebody asked. Somebody asked <laughs> Does anyone volunteer on their own? <laughs> I don't know. And but uh, of course, like I need. I'm someone who's externally motivated, and I knew putting my health and fitness as a, as a higher priority in my life was definitely needed. So it was. I knew it was going to be a good thing. It would motivate me. But to be honest, I don't think I got really serious about until about three months before. And that's about when we started working together. I think about two months before we started working together. But it was actually doing the race. And I have to tell you, since then, I feel like there's been a fire under me, like where I'm like, all right, I need to really, like, this is it. Like, I really, my health and fitness has got to be a top priority. And it's been a lot easier for me to make it a priority since then. So I know that you believe in what these races can do for people. And you're helping people to do them in a way that is safe is fun, is still challenging, but also so that they can see the benefits of it. And you've definitely, I mean, I can, you know, tell from you and just from working with you, you have a lot of confidence in what you're doing. You're very compassionate, very empathetic, but there's also this underlying confidence. Like I can help you. I can do this. Like that, like where, like when you talk, like when you explain hard workouts before, you're like, no way, we're going to do this. We're going to have fun. This is going to be great. You do have this confidence that exudes from you. And you've had experiences of being in the Navy. I know you've been in the fire department as well, too. So definitely experiences that boost your confidence. But I all but you and I both know it doesn't matter how what you've done or how confident you've become. We all have those playing small moments, those moments of self-doubt. We can get to a place where they're fewer and far between but we still experience them. So, and this is definitely an area where we can all relate to. So if you could share with everyone one of your playing small moments and the lessons you've learned from it. Okay. So when I was, I was looking at the question, uh, when I was thinking this through and it talked about a time that you undervalued yourself. And before I even go there, as you were talking, I was thinking about what you said is that I just have uh, this confidence when I speak and, and I'm, and I'm quite confident. And a lot of times I, I do, I found I've built a confidence over time and that comes from believing in yourself. But at the same time, it comes from convincing yourself 
yourself as well. And I'll be honest, sometimes there's workouts that I put together for the group that comes over and I'm not confident on in how well it's going to go. I'm not confident that it, that people are going to fully love it um, or that it's going to work the way I wanted it. But I think you have to, I don't, not necessarily fake it till you make it, but you just have to be confident for others and you have to be confident in yourself. You just have to act confident and then you'll come off as confident and then people will treat you as though you're confident and it just will come for full circle. So, um, so I'm glad that confidence shows itself in what I do. Cause that's definitely what I want to bring across. So when, when I was thinking about a time that I undervalued myself, honestly, it was my entire life up and through week six of boot camp When I really looked back at that, but I'll, I'll zero in more so on towards boot camp. But you know, it starts because I was a very self-conscious, shy child to the point where they wanted to keep me back in kindergarten because I was so shy. Uh, and so every year being shy made it difficult to make friends, made it so that I didn't want to be involved in sports. I didn't, you know, I wasn't, I was in chorus, but I think I probably was lip syncing the whole time, you know? Um, so there wasn't a whole lot of confidence And then when I graduated high school, a friend had talked me into going into the Navy. We were going in this buddy program, and unfortunately, two weeks before we were going to leave and go to boot camp together, she got out. So there I was going to boot camp alone. And needless to say, it was a very challenging time for me. Going into boot camp is challenging enough when you're a very shy, self-conscious person that doesn't have a whole lot of really high self-esteem. You're already going in there behind the eight ball. There were people in there that, to me, seemed strong and confident, so I was constantly comparing myself to them. I was homesick. I was being yelled at every moment, and I can't even imagine the letters that I wrote home to my mother asking her to get me out of there somehow, and I don't really know what happened, but somewhere in the sixth week of this eight-week boot camp, it just dawned on me that you need to just suck it up and move on. You can do this. You've been doing it for six weeks. It took me that long to do it, but you need, you need to just do it. And I kind of flipped a switch in my brain and said, you don't have to do it well. You just need to do it. And so I started doing it. And I will rem- never forget the day that the, gen- the chief that was overseeing our unit called me into his office. So I was completely scared of why he was calling me in there. And In boot camp, in the Navy, they have what they call section leaders. And the way they recognize a section leader is you wear a little um, insignia on your collar. That's a little uh, pin that they give you. And there are six section leaders within the division of about 100 people. And he called me in his office and he slides over an insignia pin across the desk. And he says, I want you to be a section leader. He said, you have demonstrated the complete ability to not only change and be able to exemplify what we're expecting, but to do it consistently and better than others. I can't even tell you, for somebody who's always been self-conscious and low self-esteem, that moment in life changed me to feeling like, wow, if you tell yourself you can do something, you really can do it. And all up until that point in my life, I feel like I was playing small because I didn't value myself. I didn't value what I could do. And even when I made the decision of, hey, you don't have to do it well, just do it. I still wasn't really valuing what I could do. I was just trying to flip a switch. But in that moment when he slid that across, I realized that there there was value, that I could do things. And 
from that from that point on, life got a little bit easier. So. <laughs> I love that, a little bit easier. Um, and there were several things I took away from what you were saying. One is that we are not always a good judge of how much value we bring. Like oftentimes we actually undersell ourselves, especially as women. We play down what we bring to the table and what what value we're adding. And it's oftentimes it takes somebody else to point it out to us and acknowledge us, you know, for us to truly get it. And even then we have a hard time wrapping our mind around it. And two, I've said often on this podcast is you can't wait for confidence to come before you take action because oftentimes confidence comes after the action. It's like if you're waiting till you feel great about something or that there is no doubt that you can succeed before you're willing to take an action, you're going to be waiting a long time because it takes those actions to actually build up, like you said, that self-esteem of I can do this and, and also that you can flip a switch. And all the switch says is suck it up you can do this. You have been doing this. Just put, it's almost like just put one foot in front of the other and just do it. And I imagine that mentality helped you tremendously when you were doing your first Killington Beast and realized you had gotten yourself into something you just had, was not ready to endure. That's awesome. Yeah. I think, like you said, putting one foot in front of the other is, is insanely important. Um, and that happens in anything that we do. And realizing uh, most people look at themselves inward and they think, I'm the only one having this problem. Everybody else can seemingly do things. Why is it just me? And we beat ourselves up. There was a time that I was reading a book and they were the person was talking about experienced and professional runners and what they do on mornings when they don't feel like getting out to run. And first of all, I was like, well, professional runners have mornings they don't feel like running? Like, who who would have thought that? Because I thought it was just me. And the person had responded by saying, you just, you put a sock on, you put the other sock on, you do the same thing with your shoes, and you just start walking until you start running. And you just go one foot in front of the other, like you said. Um, and sometimes we need to hear from somebody else who we look up to, that they struggle before we can realize it's okay to struggle. People do it all the time. Stop beating myself up over it and flip that switch and say, just do it. You know, stop pitying yourself and just do it. I love that. And also, Anne, on, on my podcast, I feel like I have become a collector of leadership styles, right? I really want everyone to appreciate that, you know, we're all going to bring different things, you know, to our leadership roles. No two leaders need to look the same. I think, you know, when I was young in my career, it, it seemed like there was one type of leader you had to be. And if you didn't fit that style, you weren't a leader. And I really want to break that myth. And also to, you know, allow people who don't see themselves yet as leaders to realize like someday, I mean, I'm going to ask enough women and men what their leadership style is that everyone's going to hear, oh, that's very similar to my leadership style too. So if you could tell us about your leadership style. When I was in the Navy, they put us through leadership school. That's part of what they do. And so you take a lot of um, classes on how to be a leader, how to speak with people, how to mentor them, how to manage them. And those were all great classes. And I think that they helped to um, really establish a baseline for me. 
but I think one of the biggest, um, biggest aspects to my leadership has really only come within the last couple of years. So those were a good baseline. But what I've realized over the course of my time now, keeping in mind that primarily what I do is I'm a dietitian. So a lot of what I'm doing is I'm nutrition, uh, coaching people on nutrition. Um, so trying to, to lead them through making better choices. And I often tell people, most people will come to me thinking I'm going to tell them what to eat and what not to eat. And they really think that that's what a dietitian does. And that's an aspect of what we do. We know about food. We know which ones are good to eat and which ones we should try to avoid. But I really like to think of myself as more of a nutrition behavioral specialist. And food is something we talk about on the side because everybody knows what to eat and what not to eat. You can find that information anywhere. We all know at the root of it, vegetables, fruits, whole grains, minimally processed foods. We all know what to eat. It's our behaviors that keep us from making those changes. It's not the foods themselves that keep us from reaching our goal. It's our behavior around foods that keep us from choosing the right ones more often or less often. And so over the period of time, I was trying to lead people down the path to proper nutrition by leading them, giving them resources, giving them information, helping them choose this food over that. And then I realized that wasn't going to make a difference because I wasn't giving them anything that they couldn't find anywhere else. They could turn on the television or read a magazine and find all of that, that we really had to focus on empowering them to want to make the decision. So if I think about one one leadership style I have that I the word that comes to mind is empowerment. I have to empower people to understand why they want to eat a certain way, um, why they're not, why it's going to benefit them, and then empower them with the information to make the best choices. I don't want to tell somebody eat this or eat that. When somebody asks me a question, what do you think about this food, which is what I get asked all the time, what, what do you think about chia seeds, Right. I will first start by telling them the benefits of the item, but then I'll say, well, let's take a look at the food label. Like, let's let's take a look at the food. Let's take a look at it so that you can tell me what do you think about chia seeds, right? And then building the confidence that they can understand the food, they can understand the food label, they can understand why they would want to choose it, which is so important is teaching people to want to choose foods for the right reasons, not avoiding them for the wrong reasons, right? So looking for what we want in foods And once I started changing it to that mentality, empowering people to know that there's so much beyond good or bad foods, and you have the power within yourself to always find the right decision, all of a sudden people started being, I could see like the excitement in their eyes, like, oh, I can actually figure out if this food is good for me. And now that I know why, I can connect the fact that I want that food in my body And then it's easier for them to make the decision. So empowerment has become a huge piece, even if it means somebody doesn't need me anymore, right? Like I want them to need me. I want to talk about their their journey towards proper health. But if I can empower someone enough that they don't need to ask me a question every time they put food in their mouth, then that's awesome because that's what gives you confidence and makes you want to keep choosing those. So empowerment is a style. And and for some reason, the other word that came to my mind um, when I was thinking about my leadership style was was hunger, igniting a hunger in people to want to keep going, to move to that next level. Um, and whatever that is, a lot of times I find that it's by the confidence that I express when people come to my classes or when people work with me, 
I want to talk about obstacle racing or nutrition in a way that ignites a hunger in people where they're saying, I want to feel that. I want to know what that feels like. Even when you were talking about your experience, I'm sure that there was somebody listening saying, I want to feel what that feels like. I want to know. Um, So the more that I can talk, so I may not even actually be telling somebody how to do something or why, but just merely talking about my experience and igniting the passion. Now they have the hunger to want to do it. And it's not because I led them there. It's because I talked excitedly about the potential. And now all of a sudden they want to go there. They don't even know they're being led, but they're led. And when I think when you can lead someone and they don't know that they're being led, mm-hmm. that's when great things can happen because they didn't even realize it was happening. They just knew that they wanted it. And that's a true leader. When somebody wants it and they don't even realize that, I think that's when I'm doing my job. Yeah. I have so many things I want to add, even though I normally don't say a lot after this question, just because I have had so many personal experiences with you. One, I will say, you know, I talked about how doing the Spartan put a fire under me. And I would say 80% of the changes that I made after the Spartan were nutritional. Um, and a, a lot of it had to do with, like you said, like, saying yes to good foods more than I was saying yes to foods that I knew weren't good for me. I was definitely looking more at what what was my end goal? What results did I want? And having the foods I was eating, eating being in alignment with that. And I know you've talked about nutrition and, you know, why we, why we choose certain foods a lot. And that got me thinking. And then also I can, I, I want to say that, you know, the, the empowerment and the confidence I, I would also um, add to it, like what it lent me as somebody, you know, who was following you as, as a leader was respect for you, you know, that I had so much respect for what you were doing that when you said something, I was like, all right, I can believe this because Anne said it, right? And because you you walk your talk as well, too. And just to share a, a quick personal story, um, so heights is one of my things. And I think we've talked about that. Like I'm not, those were the obstacles during the race that, you know, psychologically got me the most were, were the heights, even though you would look at the obstacle and go, well, this is easy. It's not dangerous. And just do this, do this and this. But, you know, anyone who's afraid of heights or, or whatever, you know, when you're in that experience, like, it's like what reality doesn't make a difference because your mind starts playing tricks on you. And then I remember we were working out here one day. And one you, you have several obstacles built out in your backyard, which I totally love. And one of them's the bender, which is not in the sprint races. So I had not experienced it during the Spartan. And for those of you who don't know, it's an obstacle where you are off the ground, you are climbing, and you're climbing in a way that kind of goes backwards. Like rather than climbing up and over something, you're kind of heading back, which is, you know, bender. Think of a back bend. Um, that's how this is shaped. And I remember one day you were like, all right, like the bender. And I was like, oh, I haven't, I haven't done that. You know, and for me, that was like a period at the end of that and you were like okay let's go and you walked me over to it and I was like oh she's gonna have me do this like what do I do how do I tell her I can't do this but the way you broke it down and gave me the instructions and you baby stepped it that you were just like just do this and you know I'm gonna walk you through the next thing and before I knew it I was climbing up it and I think I don't know how you took it, but I remember my response when I was like half because you were like, we're just going to go a few up and then you're going to come down. But even getting that far was high off the ground for me. Like my response was like, oh, Anne, and I don't know how you took it, because I knew as it was coming out of my mouth, it could sound like I was totally freaking out. But actually, it was joyful. Right. It was like, I can't believe I just 
did that and here I am. And I probably could have gone up and over at that point, you know, but I was still nervous. But it was just like, oh my God, like how simple, how easy. But it was because you were leading me. Part of me was like, well, I don't want to disappoint Anne. I have so much respect for her. I don't want to disappoint her. So, I mean, that is important too. And I just want to convey that to those who are leading too is, if you are consistent, you know, if you are trying to help people, people will will feel that and they'll grow a respect for you. And that it becomes a lot easier to lead once once you have that, once you have people's respect. I mean, you don't always have to have their admiration. That's great. But if you have their respect, you know, and they know you want the best for them, you know, then then you make your job as a, lead, a leader so much easier. And then people are achieving mm. great things. So awesome. Um, and this will tie into your last answer, too, because you've talked a lot about your business and how you're a dietitian and how you're helping people. So what I'm curious about now is one thing that you're working on in your business that you're really excited about. Oh, picking one thing. There are so many things, which is a great, a great point to be at. So I think one of the things that I'm most excited about is that I'm developing a platform to reach more people because... I think there's two important aspects that I've learned by listening to Impact Theory with Tom Bilyeu. I don't know if you listen to that, but he's wonderful. And one of the things that he preaches is that in order to be successful in what you have a passionate passion about, you have to bring value and you have to build a community. So I thought, okay, I want to be able to reach more people with nutrition. So how can I do that? And I kept in mind value and community. And so I thought, okay, if I want to bring value, I want to be able to bring a lot of good information without making people pay a whole lot. I don't want to be a cost to be a barrier or an obstacle to somebody achieving greater health. So I thought, okay, one way that I can do that, one way that I can access more people but still bring a lot of value is by doing online coaching classes. Uh, and the other aspect of that was building a community. And so I thought, okay, online classes that are done in groups, right? So it's not just me and somebody else online coaching one-on-one, -on -one, but what if I could host online courses that would be a group of people that we could all be in one place, or they could be at home, but we're all on one platform online um, in which... I'm teaching the nutrition component, but people are able to tune in from wherever they are, you know, whether it be right here in the local community, or if they happen to be in, I, you know, I have clients up in Canada, I have clients over at California and Chicago. So what if we could all get on the same platform, and I could teach a once a week nutrition class. And so that's what I'm working on right now. We're getting ready to start the launch the first class next week. And so what it's going to be as we start is 10 week, 10 weeks of nutrition topics where um, it's one hour in length. It's on a Thursday evening. People log in. We're going to have a go-to meeting or some sort of platform. I'm still working out what's going to be the best, most consistent one that most people can access and that could be FaceTime. But we're going to meet at the same time online. I'm going to go through um, one topic each week that builds, builds and builds on itself for, uh, in regards to nutrition and some in there about fitness as well. But it's going to be a value add every week because we're going to break it down 10 topics starting easily and working through nice and slow over 10 weeks to help people develop an eating pattern that they can manage, but they also understand. 
right? Because I'm not just talking about eat this, don't eat this. It's talking about, you know, what are carbohydrates? Why do we eat them? What do they do for the body? And here's how we can incorporate them into our, into our week. Okay. Now go try to do that for the next week. And when we t- come back next week, we're going to talk about protein and then we're going to talk about fat. And then as we build and work, we're going to talk about those emotional pieces to eating, right? Because the ins and outs of the food, that's fine. But what about making this happen long-term? So each week we're going to build on that as well. So I'm really excited to be launching that program to see how many people I can reach, how many people that I can add value to what they understand right now about nutrition, but also create a community because I want to create groups where even though the people may be in different states and don't know each other, they're all in that online room for one reason, and that's to have better health. And a lot of times people's journey to better health happens when they have a support group. And so that this is going to be a built-in support group because you may have come to the class just to learn the topics, but you're slowly going to get to know the other people over the course of the 10 weeks because they're going to ask questions. You're going to be interested in that. Hopefully you're going to thank them for asking a question that you maybe didn't think about. And by the end of it, you should have a new support group. And I, and I want to create online groups afterwards that can stay in connection and can stay asking each other questions so that even though you've gone through and now you're practicing it, you always have that community. So really excited about that opportunity. And I think that's one of the, you know, the benefits that online and social media has awarded us the opportunity to reach so many people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would say, I mean, I've achieved a lot of goals in my life, but I will say for every one of my health and wellness goals that I've achieved, you know, from races to, you know, losing weight, getting fit, all of that. Yes, it was an individual decision and a commitment to do so, but it was always achieved socially. Like I did it in groups. Like I started running as a part of a group. I started working out with a personal trainer as a part of a group. I trained for the Spartan as a part of a group and ran the Spartan as a part of a group, you know? So there is something to be said for that social experience. And I've met a lot of wonderful people online that I have yet to meet them in person, but we stay in contact and we we actually network and, you know, refer business to each other because we've built such a relationship online. So yes, it's great to know people in person, but just because you're meeting people virtually doesn't mean that there is not a powerful connection, especially with a lot of things that what you put into it is what you get out. So if you go all in on an online course, you're going to get a ton out of it. Okay, and so on the flip side of things, what would you say is your biggest leadership or business challenge? And we'll see if there's even an opportunity for coaching here. The biggest challenge that I'm coming up with right now is as business expands and as things pick up, wanting to make sure that while I'm trying to bring value to others, that I'm also understanding the value in what I bring and trying to come up with the fact that, as I said before, I don't want money to be an obstacle to people reaching out and getting help from me. But at the same time, if you are running a business, we have to be honest, it's about money. So how do I find that? How do I make sure that I'm constantly bringing value to others, but I'm always recognizing recognizing the value in myself and I'm not underestimating, like you said before, underestimating my worth. And so the struggle I'm having right now is creating the business in a way that I find that I've taken a look at what my time is worth in money and I've utilized that to come up with a pay structure for clients 
But as they're reaching out to me and needing more and more from me and, you know, what I've estimated as taking 15 minutes for a client each week is actually taking now 25. Well, if you couple that by 15 clients, that's a lot of extra time that I didn't calculate in. And so how do I make sure that I'm bringing value without decreasing my own value. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really funny is the answer is in the question (laughs) because you talked about you're really thinking about the value you're bringing and the value other people are getting. But when you looked at your pricing structure, you based it on time and not value. If you were to charge based on value versus time, would your prices go up? Oh, absolutely. Yes, they, they would. Because especially when I th- I'm thinking of the, because nutrition is related to health and health is tied into so many additional costs down the road. So that in itself is going to be a savings to people. But when you talk about happiness, you almost can't put a price on happiness and on feeling good and having energy and the the value in what I bring and what I'm teaching people, again, is is not just food, choose this or that. It's not just about nutrition. It's about how to fuel your body right to be your optimal self. And when we fuel ourselves, when we fuel to be our optimal self, and we balance out the healthy gut bacteria, and we balance out the hormones, and we're able to, when we're able to do that from the inside out, we become happier you know, decreased signs of depression and just an overall enjoyment and self-worth that we brought on just by feeding our body the right foods. And you can't put a price on that. Um, So I think, yes, if I was to look at it from that perspective of the value, then the prices would go up and then there comes the balance. The price would go up. And so where do we figure out what that, what that is to where the price comes up so that I'm, I'm getting what I feel is fair for the value I'm bringing, but it doesn't box box people out. And I think there can be a happy balance with with the online classes that can be at a, at a lower cost, but then with the, the one-on-ones that really work specifically with the person, maybe there's an opportunity there. Mm-hmm. And here, a couple of thoughts too, is one, yes, when your prices go up, then the sales looks a little bit different, right? Because it's not super low cost where people, and here's the thing too, when people buy low cost items, they don't respect them. Mm-hmm right? They take them for granted. They don't see that there's a lot of value because I mean, as much as we, we don't want to box people out, we don't want to prevent them from, from getting healthy. But the reality is, especially when it comes to health and making changes, people have to have skin in the game in order to do the work, right? Too, because it does take some change. It's a little bit emotional. Like you talked about, you're going to cover like the emotional impact of making these changes with people. Um, so when we, you are talking to people, People about this course, it's really like the conversation can't just be about the features and the online community and the access to you. It has to be about happiness and the cost savings down the road and the confidence they'll build. And how will it feel to be able to run up a, a flight of stairs and not be out of breath at the top? Like, what will it feel like when you feel strong, when you're lifting things and your children go, wow, that's amazing. Look how strong you are. You can still pick me up. Those like those moments, you know, like are priceless, you know, that, that sort of thing. So those are the types of conversations you have to have with people when they're considering and then they go, oh, well, it's that much. And then, and then the conversation has to be like, here's what you're going to get. 
you know, here's what you're actually investing in. So the other thing, one of your big concerns is boxing people out. Now, here's the thing, and I give this to my clients all the time, like set the cost of the course that is in alignment with the value of the course, right? Don't compromise that. However, if in conversations with people, you know, they share with you, I just can't. And you get into a conversation. Now, here's the thing. Money is relative, right? Some people might have to, you know, buy coffee less, you know, at Starbucks in order to afford your program, right? You don't want to cut your prices for that person, right? Because we all have to make adjustments when we're shifting priorities and we're investing in something. That is natural. But there might be somebody who, you know, is truly low income. There is nowhere they can cut. And you'll kind of get a sense of that, you know, in conversation with them. If your heart is breaking because you know this program can help somebody, they are invested in it, right? Because they're emotional, you know, in the conversation about it, they know and they convey to you, like, this course could change my life, you can offer a scholarship program, right? And all I recommend is that you make it an application process, right? That's part of the skin they have in the game. There has to be a barrier to entry. And if it's if it's not the investment, it's got to be something else because you want to know that if you let somebody into this course, they're going to contribute and not just take away. And sometimes if we just, you know, bring down the barrier and we just let some people in out of the goodness of our heart. What I, what I found in the past is sometimes they're actually detractors to the course because they don't really get the value. You want to make sure that the only people who are in the course with you are the people who get the value. Does that make sense? No, that, that makes complete sense. And, you know, as you're saying that I've, I've witnessed that myself where I have been involved in programs in the past where you get a group and, and there are people that tend to drop out. And it's because, as you said, they don't have skin in the game. And in a way, that's that's fine because it leaves you with the people that are there that are passionate about it. Um, but I do, I like the opportunity about a scholarship and still making people apply for that because I think that's I think it's important. Um, I, I do usually send a questionnaire out when I'm working with new clients. And it's, a lo- it's a, like a four-page process for you to go through answering a lot of questions. And I tell people, some of them seem repetitive, but it's because I really need you to think about what your goals are. I really need you to think why you're contacting me, because if you haven't thought these through, and if you can't answer these questions for yourself, I can't, you can't expect me to answer them for you. So I really like to get people to to think. And one of the biggest questions that's on the questionnaire is it's a scale question on a scale of one to town. How ready do you feel to make this change? And a lot of times people would put an eight, nine or 10. And usually by the first week to three weeks in, we can tell if that was, there's a difference between wanting to change and being ready for change. And it doesn't take long to realize if that eight was, I'm an eight of wanting to change or an eight that I was actually ready because want and being ready are two different things. We all want to be able to perform a certain way or feel a certain way or weigh a certain amount, whatever your your current goal in your mind is. We all want that. 
but want isn't enough. I want to finish a race in first place every time, but if that's not enough to get me there, right? So we need to work on that. Um, so thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. Great. Okay. So, and we'll definitely have an opportunity to follow up because I get to hang out with you sometimes. Yay. All right. And now we're going to do a quick leadership roundup. So tell us what is one practice you have that helps to make you a better leader? The two words I came up with for them when I was thinking about that one is that you have to live it. Like, like you said earlier on, when I'm out there demonstrating for somebody how to do an obstacle or why they want to eat something a certain way, I've lived it. So I know I was an overweight, inactive teen, you know, and, and I've had to make the changes, the hard ones. And so I've had to live it. And it's through living it that I know how to approach the person because the feeling you have inside about the, about inadequacy or fear or whatever it is, I've felt that. And because I felt it and lived through it, that's why I'm able to reach out and really reach that inner voice for you because it was an inner voice for me too. And what advice would you give your younger self? I would tell myself to get comfortable with being uncomfortable because nothing happens in the comfort zone. Nothing. That's why it's called the comfort zone. Get uncomfortable, be there because eventually what was uncomfortable becomes comfortable and you're constantly moving, moving on. So that's what I would say. I love it. Now share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you. My favorite one that I've been listen, uh, working with is Tom Bilyeu. He says, do and believe that which leads you towards your goals. And whenever I'm questioning the course of my day, the course of my week, things are getting stressful and I'm thinking, why am I doing this again? I go back to that and I say, do and believe that which, le- that which leads you towards your goals. And if it is leading me towards my goals, I will do it. Um, and if I believe in it and I believe I can make it happen, then it will. So as long as I keep saying that statement over and over, it helps weed out all the things in life that aren't worth it at that point in time. I love that. All right. And lastly, how can this community connect with you and also sign up for your courses? Yes. So my new webpage that I'm so excited about is fueltrainovercome.com. So that's exciting. And it has all my information as far as my classes and working one-on-one and my obstacle course racing. I'm also in the Biddeford Hannaford every Monday, and that's free for people. Hannaford has a great program in which free uh, dietitian services, if you're looking to come in and learn how to uh, shop and you want to be in the best platform to learn food labels, which is the grocery store, come on into that. I work at Saco Sport and Fitness as a dietitian and we take insurance there, which is wonderful. A lot of insurance companies are coming online for that preventative nutrition. So if you have Anthem, Aetna, Cigna, reach out to me and we can get you in covered under insurance at Saco Sport and Fitness. Um, Yeah. Awesome. Okay. And I know for a lot of you, you're oftentimes on the go, out for a run, in the car, maybe training for a Spartan. You know you can find all the links and resources shared at this episode at womentakingthelead.com. You can put Anne's name in the search bar. It's A-N-N-E. And her show notes page will come right up. Anne, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We definitely, I, we are better for having met you. Well, thank you. I'm just... Uh, honored to be on the show and love the people that I'm finding myself surrounded by. And it's all because of people like you. So thank you for, for having me on. I want to talk to those of you who have been struggling with a lack of energy or focus in your business. 
You can't seem to get your to-do list done, so work is either spilling over into what would have been your downtime, or you're just not getting it done at all. You're probably frustrated, tired, and feeling like there has to be a better way. There is a better way, and I can help you get to the heart of the problem. There is an assessment tool that I'm licensed to administer that can help you. This tool helps you gain awareness of where your energy is going, specifically to the areas that cause you negative stress. Negative stress burns a lot of energy. In debriefing your results, I help you to develop practices that will have you experiencing less stress so you can channel all the energy that was going towards managing stress back into your business. This assessment is highly valuable and game-changing. Go to womentakingthelead.com forward slash assessment to find out more. Thank you all for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. And to strengthen you on your own leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson, so here goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining me, and here's to your success.